The Vikings went into their week 14 matchup with the Buccaneers as big underdogs. Most people, myself included, assumed that the Vikings would struggle to move the ball on the ground and therefore struggle to find any rhythm on offense. The opening quarter defied our expectations, though. Dalvin Cook found plenty of room to run. And though they weren't rewarded on the scoreboard, it's safe to say that Minnesota dominated the opening quarter. At the outset of the second quarter, Minnesota found themselves at Tampa Bay's goal line. An initial attempt by Cook came up short, but he eventually found the end zone on his second run. Dakota Dozier and C.J. Ham did just enough to clear enough room for Cook to muscle his way into the end zone. Dan Bailey lined up for the extra point with four, 14 minutes and 17 seconds left in the second quarter. The snap and the hold were clean, but he missed badly. Unfortunately for the Vikings, Bailey's missed kick merely foreshadowed what was to come. Well, welcome to Notes from the North, the official podcast of the Vikings Gazette. We are proud to partner with vikingsterritory.com, purpleptsd.com, and the Purple Territory Radio Network. If you're looking for great Vikings content, be sure to swing by these sites. And of course, vikingsgazette.com. I'm your host, Sam, and the other voice you hear is Kyle. And since this is our first episode, we just want to give you guys a chance to know who we are and what we're about. Um, Kyle, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're doing, where you're at. Yeah, so I uh, I started vikingsgazette.com um, about five months ago, and uh, and things have gone reasonably well. I just kind of started as a side project that I was mostly just writing just because I enjoy writing and I enjoy the Vikings. And anyhow, it's attracted a little bit of attention, which is good. And I've been very fortunate to partner with Joe in his sites, and uh, he's kind of encouraged me to pursue kind of the podcast option and so I reached out to Sam who's a friend of mine and he's uh I mean Sam isn't a Vikings fan but he's a an NFL fan he's a sports fan and so I reached out to him to kind of be uh someone who leads the the podcast for us and kind of balances the conversation because I'm going to be pretty biased in favor of the Vikings and my emotions are pretty tied up with the team and so anyhow so I thought that it'd be good to have a little bit of balance and so uh, with Notes from the North, our podcast, uh, we have decided to kind of partner Sam and I. And the whole idea with Notes from the North is just kind of playing off uh, Sam and I are from Canada. And so obviously the North is kind of referencing where we're from, but then obviously we're playing off the NFC North where the Vikings play. And so the, the basic idea is for this to be uh, our semi-regular podcast for the Vikings Gazette. And uh, it will be in partnership with Joe and his sites. Yeah, yeah. No, we uh, were excited, and, and yeah, Kyle came to me. I think I was what option five, six, twelve. Yeah, seven or eight. I thought seven yeah. or eight, right? And uh, thought about it for a little while. I, I said yes right away. I was I was excited. We're we're sports fans, and we figured that it's a good chance for us. We we talk back and forth. For me, I I am passionate a passionate fan of some teams and other sports. Football, I just purely love to consume it's it's really it's my favorite sport to watch I can say that pretty confidently and for us it's a chance for to break down the Vikings to to talk together and really bring what we feel are our average fan interactions or or passionate fan interactions together a chance for us to talk about the game and really for us we we we're starting this out we're we're new uh we've actually done this intro before so we're 
we're a little bit more rehearsed. Uh, we we're, we're figuring this out with with all the audio, and so I'd love to have any feedback that people have. But really, what we want to do is we want to break down the game pretty succinctly. And so what we've decided to do is we want to have three talking points, uh, three downs essentially from uh, breaking down key things that happened in the game uh, the previous day. So uh, some of you may know of a Canadian Football League. We are from Canada, as Kyle mentioned. We would say that the Canadian Football League definitely has a certain fan base, definitely has a certain appeal, but uh, we are through and through NFL fans. But really, yep. what we're going to do is we're going to have three downs, three talking points. Um, there's actually a, a Vikings connection, Kyle said, with the with the Vikings and, and the CFL, uh, Brett Brett Jones. Yeah, that's right. Brett Brett Jones is a backup offensive lineman for the Vikings, and he he got his start. He's a Canadian guy he's from Saskatchewan. He got his start uh, playing university ball in Canada, but then he also played for the Calgary St. Peters, I believe, and did quite well there. And then because he succeeded in the CFL, he got a shot in the NFL and uh, eventually got traded from the New York Giants to the Minnesota Vikings. And I just, I wish he got on the field more. He's a, he's a pretty solid player and he's done quite well. I think wherever he's gone, I just wish he had more opportunity uh, for Minnesota. But yeah, certainly there's, there's a CFL connection there. And so with us going with three downs, we are aware that there are four downs in the NFL, but the whole three downs thing is just kind of us giving a bit of a nod to the Canadian Football League and the fact that we're Canadian. Yeah, absolutely. And so really our, our first talking point, Kyle introduced us a little bit with this with the story element at the start, uh, the Viking special teams. I think that there's there's no way that we can get around talking about that from yesterday. Uh, Bailey had three missed field goals and, and started with that with a missed uh, extra point. Uh, I said to you about halftime, like, is there anyone else that can kick like like where where did the team where did the team go from here with with Bailey? It's it's so unfortunate, right? Because I mean, Bailey's he he missed four kicks, three missed field goals, and a mixed extra point, and so there's ten points right taken off the board. It, you know, it's it's a twenty six to fourteen game, and so you you throw an extra ten points on there, and we're talking about a game obviously that's considerably closer, and perhaps winnable. Uh, so it's tough to know where the Vikings go from here. I mean, Dan Bailey when he signed with the Vikings, he was the second. Uh, most accurate field goal kicker in history of the NFL. He he played for Dallas for a while. And you could literally say without exaggerating that he was a historically great field goal kicker, at least in terms of his uh, percentages. Uh, like his, his ratio was tremendous. And now he struggled a little bit at the start with the Vikings. Last year, he was really quite solid. And he had been, he had done quite well this year up until these past two weeks, but over these past two weeks, if I'm not mistaken, he's missed seven total kicks, which is just backbreaking, you know, for a team like the Vikings where they're definitely transitioning a little bit and they've had some tough injuries. It's so tough to not have this uh, consistency from their special teams. It seems like every week there's something else. And so to, for Bailey to miss these kicks, you know, especially with where we are in the playoff race, I mean, if we were in a position where if we win, we're in, right? But Bailey Bailey missed these kicks, and that really, really impacted the outcome of the game. I don't think the Vikings should cut him, personally. Uh, but if I were the one running the show, 
I'm not, thankfully, but if I were, I would be searching for uh, an alternative option going forward and basically just not dress Bailey. I would keep two kickers on my roster and uh, and I would start one and I would I would basically sit Dan Bailey because they signed him to a big contract extension in the offseason. And then you have you already have a salary cap crunch moving forward with, you know, especially with the covid cap. And so I just don't think that it's prudent to cut him at this point because we have seen this before where Vikings kicker struggles. They cut him. And then they go and do really well somewhere else. Look at, you know, Daniel Carlson down in Oakland, right? And so, well, I guess that's not Oakland anymore. It's Las Vegas. Anyhow, the, the point is that we've seen this movie before. And so I think that the Vikings should be very wise in how they proceed and not overreact. And so I think you do need to do something because they're still fighting for their playoff lives, but they can't. Uh, right now, Dan Bailey's confidence appears to be shot. Yeah. And so... They need to do something, I think. And I, I think that the best decision in my mind is to see if there's a legitimate option out there who can take over in the short term. And then you allow Bailey to kind of uh, hopefully get his head right. Yeah. Well, it, you know what? Like, it's one of those things I said, like, it's so, so psychological. Like, like, Bailey can go today, obviously not practicing today, but they could go and he could line up and hit 30 field goals no problem from from 40 45 yards today and and no problem but it was just watching it yesterday watching the extra point i was like oh and then the second one it was like oh and then by the third one you're like man he is yanking the ball yeah. and yeah. you said like yeah. the you talk about the yips for for kickers like it was bad and it was one of those things that it changes your game plan right you get the vikings are yes. down in offensive territory and they're like fourth and six do we trust him to hit a 40-yard field goal? Like, yeah, probably not. And it just, it can't, like those kicks, obviously it's not automatic. You can't expect for, for a robot to get out there, but it really messed up with the plans. And you can say, you can add up the points in terms of like, oh, well, then it's that. But like, it, it really changed the plan yesterday and to not have a kicker that you can trust is tough. I, I agree with you in the sense that you cut him, he's potentially goes somewhere else. And, and obviously there's the financial investment and that's tough. You can't, don't want to move away, away from, from that. It is one of those things. Yeah. Maybe some healthy competition brings out a better side of them. Yep. But really from, for me, I know I, I don't, I'm not in any sense, uh, an athlete, but having someone that has some confidence in you is huge. Yep. And so yep. in some ways, feels like it's a situation where you just you got to keep throwing him out there keep trying and and hope he fixes it but it's tough especially when you're when it's a playoff race you need every single point you can get it's really tough to think about risking risking that and you want to make sure that obviously you put put him because he is a you said he's an he's an excellent kicker and you want to have that especially um, as you get into important games but at this point, it's it's tough to throw them out there. Our our margin for error is just so small because we started one and five, right? And so losing a game at this stage because of how we started, it's just huge. It's it's bigger for us than it would be for, you know, to go to another extreme, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were eleven and zero, right? So they lose a game, yeah, it sucks, but it doesn't actually doom their chances. That's obviously that's an extremist scenario. But the, the point is that 
because of where we started and how we started, we just, man, we just can't have these. And so some of these mistakes he's making, I mean, the extra point, this should be pretty much automatic, right? The first, the first field goal should be automatic. And it's tough because, I mean, like Sam was saying, that does impact your offensive game plan. Uh, and so maybe, maybe let's transition to second down. I'll hand it off to Sam because it does impact the rest of the team. I think Sam's right. And so I'll hand it off to Sam. Yeah, so the second second down, we were thinking of the offensive game plan there. And I want to start with Cousins' performance. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about his performance because I've read some different things and I have some opinions, but what did you think overall as you saw Cousins out there on the field yesterday? So personally, I've, in the past, I've advocated for some nuance in our assessments of Cousins because he can be, he tends to push fans to extremes, right? And I think that uh, as with most things in life, the, the truth is usually some sort of balance somewhere in the middle. And so I think with Cousins, I don't think he played awful yesterday, but I also don't think he played really, really well. I know that the offensive line has received some criticism and certainly much of it is legitimate, but, you know, so Cousins got sacked six times. He got hit several more times. I mean, part of that falls on Cousins. Right. Part of that falls on his ability to be decisive in the pocket and make throws. Now, it's tough in a sense from our angle watching from the couch because we don't necessarily see what Cousins sees. So he's scanning down the field and he's looking for an open man so he can get rid of that ball. If everyone's covered, well, he has nowhere to go with the ball. And then in that situation, you know, the, the pass rush has more time to get home. I mean, everything in football, everything on defense, everything on offense, everything is interconnected. If the coverage does a good job of covering the receivers, the pass rush has more time to get home. If the pass rush gets home in no time at all, then the coverage players don't need to cover their men for nearly as long. So everything on defense is interconnected. And so I kind of wonder, you know, his performance certainly left something to be desired, but I do wonder uh, what that coverage looked like and what he was seeing from his vantage point. Because from my perspective, I thought he was solid you know, he did a good job of moving in the pocket. Uh, he picked up a few first downs. He ran for over 40 yards in this game, which yeah. is crazy. You know, like that's that's the most he's ever run for, I think, in his NFL career. And I mean, the Buccaneers have a tremendous, tremendous run defense. And so the fact that Kirk Cousins alone is running for more than 40 and then Cook is running for more than 100, that to me, if you told me that before the game, I say, OK, we win this game. Right. Because we we've kind of cracked the code for the Buccaneers defense. Uh, but unfortunately, we just were not able to find much room at all down the fields, which was really, really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Well, like we personally, I actually felt like Cousins had, I don't know, I, I don't know if I can say a great game, but I was thoroughly impressed with him yesterday. And you look at the stat lines in 22 of 37, it's, like that leaves something to be desired. But yeah. Watching him manage that game yesterday, I think there was two things, two specific scenarios where I, I really was impressed with him. The There was the the first drive in the third quarter. Like, you come out of the half, the Bucks go down, and he came down, and you could just tell it was a point of the game where this could either go really bad yeah. or you're going to fight for it. And right. watching him manage that drive, obviously he's not perfect. There was mistakes made, but watching him drive down the field, I was like, man, okay, this is why you pay 
a quarterback like this the amount of money because I've seen quarterbacks this year I, I love watching rookie quarterbacks but you watch them get out there in these these scenarios where there's some pressure and it's just like yikes like this is not this is not going anywhere and seeing yep. the composure of Cousins yesterday it was like that was the difference between yeah we have a chance and there's no point in playing the second half uh, the yep. other play and it, it was just a small one but he got his sack or he got sacked once and there was three guys there and it was one of his fumbles but he actually recovered himself and watching mm -hmm. him recover that ball like he got smoked and the ball dropped and to have the composure to be able to like get that ball as quickly as he did I was yep. like man like he he's a fighter and yes. at the end of the day you want fighters on your team you 100%. like skill skill only gets so far and especially in the game yesterday when you got the miss p like the the missed kicks things aren't going as well um so like you look at even you look at Thielen and and uh and Jefferson's lines like they they were not engaged in the game and, and that's that's on cousins or it's on many different things um to get them involved in the game plan but when things weren't going super well he kept them in it yeah i mean cousins he doesn't get enough credit for how fiery of a competitor he is. And he's really tough. Like he will hang in the pocket. He will take a shot. The issue with cousins has never, ever been, Hey, is this guy competitive enough? Or does he have enough passion for the game? Like, does he want to win bad enough? That's never, ever been an issue. Like dude cares deeply. He leaves it all out in the field. And I mean, I think Sam, he makes a good point. I mean, that moment in the third quarter, the end of the, the, the end of the first half was disastrous and Sam and I disagree a little bit on some of these penalty calls. Uh, but regardless of whether you think they were called correctly or not, no one can dispute that the end of the first half was disastrous for the Vikings. The Vikings dominated the first half. And then we went into, uh, into the break. What were we down? 17 to six. And then the Buccaneers start with the ball. They march down the field. They get touchdowns. Now we're at 23 to six. Think, things are not great. And so like Sam saying, we could have easily folded there. And it would have been a blowout. But instead, you know, Cousins moves the ball down the field. He hits Irv Smith. Uh, God bless him. I love Irv Smith uh, for the touchdown. And, that, and now we have a bit of a, we got a nine-point game, right? And so now it's, hey, let's play ball, right? Uh, but my, like, I'm looking at the, the stats here now. And, I mean, Adam Thielen, three catches for 39 yards. He was only targeted four times. Justin Jefferson, four catches for 39 yards. He was targeted eight times. Okay, for, in fairness, he did try to get the ball to Jefferson more. But to me, I mean, you got two elite options out there. And admittedly, like they, they found more room running the ball than I expected that they would. But to me, I think you just need to really, you got Thielen and Jefferson. And they're only getting three touches for Thielen, four touches for Jefferson. That's just criminal. Like that, that needs to be adjusted. And, that's, and that falls on Cousins to a certain extent. And that also falls on Gary Kubiak, the offensive coordinator. Like, we need to find a way to get the ball into these guys' hands because they're amazing. C.J. Ham had as many catches as Adam Thielen. And I love C.J. Ham, right? And I think he's a tremendous fullback. But there's no way that C.J. Ham should have as many receptions as Adam Thielen. So there's definitely, there's definitely plenty of room for improvement. Let's, let's say that. Uh, yeah. And I think that some of that falls on Kirk Cousins and his decision-making. There were times where I felt he was indecisive. And then it also falls on Gary Kubiak, uh, ensuring that he puts his offense in a position to succeed. And the way that you do that 
is by finding space for your playmakers. Every single offensive coordinator is trying to find room on the field for their playmakers to get the ball, right? And so that's something that they are going to need to adjust pretty quickly here because Chicago is coming to town and Chicago has a tremendous defense. Yeah. And so we, we need to get on this sooner rather than later. Uh, otherwise, the, the postseason is, is not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, – and you know what? You mentioned it earlier, but – and I think I just want to touch on it briefly before we transition to the next point. Just the run game. Like, there was some success running the ball, especially that first yes. drive. It yes. was just like, wow, this is moving. And and coming in, you know, the, the Bucks defense was ranked, I, I believe, first in terms of rushing, depending on what yep, uh, metrics you use. Yep. And, and so watching them run the ball and having that success. And really, I don't know about you, but I felt like it was pretty successful for almost all the game, like the whole game. Yes. I mean, credit where credit is due. So Gary Kubiak, the offensive coordinator, and then Rick Dennison, who's the offensive line coach, but then he also helps coordinate uh, the running attack, the rushing attack. I mean, they cracked the code, right? And they brought in Rashad Hill, not extra offensive linemen. They had six offensive linemen for a lot of it. And uh, I mean, the Buccaneers coming to this game, on average, allow 74 yards rushing, right? Cook went over 100. Cousins went over 40. I mean, Cousins going over 40, you're more than halfway to that 74 yards just for Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's not like Kirk Cousins is Mike Vick, right? So, I mean, they did really credit to Kubiak and, and Rick Dennison for finding room out there to run, but they really should have adjusted, I think, to get Thielen and Jefferson in there more. That's my main beef. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, I, I was going to say, I, I noticed last week when I watched and this week, you can tell when a quarterback's comfortable running. And you can tell that Kirk Cousins is not super comfortable. You can, I think you can almost tell by the way yeah. that they, they slide. It's, it's like, always a little clunky. It's this, a little clunky. This yeah. dude is not uh, not prepared, but but there was a couple of plays and and yeah, and it was just more more credit for Cousins the way that he scrambled on a few of those plays. Yes. He was was anyways, the, the run the run was definitely not the problem yesterday. Yeah, um, that's right. So anyways, the just transitioning to our last point here. At this point, we need to talk about the playoff path. Um, the yesterday is a huge blow. I think there's no no two ways around it. Um, three games left, sitting on the outside. You never want to be in a spot where you're relying on other teams to lose. Exactly. I mean, you're always Sam. I mean, Sam and I. Neither of us are like high level athletes, but we we grew up playing sports. Okay, and I mean, from the time you're young, 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 all the way through to professional sports, one thing you'll always hear from coaches is we just focus on what we can control. We're not worried about the other team, other players, whatever. We just need to focus on our own stuff. So whatever the focus is for that day, that's what we're working on. And so one of that is, I mean, you never want to be dependent on someone else for your success. But the Vikings are in a spot now. We are we are dependent now on other teams failing in order for us to have some degree of success to get into the playoffs, which is unfortunate. Coming into this week, if we if we just won our remaining four games, we're guaranteed in the playoffs, and there's nothing any other team can do that. So that's a position that you really want to find yourself in, obviously. You win and you're in. You control your own destiny. But by losing to the Bucks, that's no longer the case. And so now it's, it's a three-horse race. It's ourselves, the Vikings, the Arizona Cardinals, and then the Chicago Bears. Chicago comes to town this week, and so this is a big game. I mean, if we lose to the Bears, and we're, we're at home this week, if we lose to the Bears, 
I don't know what the the stats would suggest or the odds would be, but boys, they're they're pretty low. I know that 538 currently has us at a 20% chance of making the playoffs currently. If we lose to the Bears, man, we got to be in single digits, I'd imagine. Uh, so what we really need is to win these next three games. And then for, I mean, if we win these next three games, and that therefore means that Chicago loses because one of our games is against Chicago. And so that would ensure that we are ahead of the Bears. And then we really need Arizona to falter. We need them to stumble and uh, and lose at some point here. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Uh, it could be, if we beat the Bears, it could end up being a very, very stressful Christmas day for Vikings fans because we end up, we have the Saints on Christmas day. And yeah. uh, I can I can say personally, I, I hate the Saints. And I think a lot of Vikings fans feel the same way. So it could be pretty interesting here in these next few weeks, depending on how things shake out. Yeah, yeah, no, I know you've... Uh expressed many times to me your your uh, hatred towards the saints <laughs> a I deep abiding hatred yes i yeah. think that that's that's a pretty fair word to say and yeah. like in some ways it's nice right you you want to play against the people that you're competing against i yeah, would say certainly you you yeah. want to play against the bears here absolutely and that's that's a that's a big game and then you got two games left and, and you got the saints that's a that's a a big game the saints are a, a very solid team at this point, from what I've heard, it sounds like that could be when Breeze comes back theoretically. Like they, it already sounded like he might not be back next week. So that's an interesting storyline there. Uh, and then you get the Lions in, in week 17. And yep. there's some that like, anyways, there, there's, there, I, I would say as someone who hasn't been burned by the Vikings, <laughs> there's, there's some hope. Um, I'm looking ahead, like, obviously it's, it's, you don't want to be in this position, but you're looking at the Cardinals schedule. Yeah. Um, you see they're against Philly, San Francisco, and the Rams. And really, yeah. there's no – you never want to look ahead and be like circle a win or circle a loss. But those are three tough games. Yeah. I mean, especially – I mean, Philly, they're starting Jalen Hurts now. And they just – Philly just beat the Saints, I think, right? And so, I mean, you could make a case that all three of those games are reasonably difficult for the Cardinals, which is good. But, but, I, but then also, we also need to take care of business on our own end. Oh yeah. No, and it actually, yeah. It, at the end of the day, you need to win. I, I like minimum two and one and, and hopefully three and oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, even if it's two and one, that's you're counting on a lot to happen on the other end. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, anyways, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I watched the Philly um, Saints game yesterday and Jalen Hurts, that was impressive to watch. I think that sometimes you get this first game performance where you just absolutely ball out and yep. leave everything on the line and like watching him even just drop shoulders um, when he's running. It was just like, whoa, like this guy wants to win and he yep. willed them to win. So anyways, it, the, those are, those are going to be three tough games ahead. Sure. So yeah. Anyways, this is, this is something, this is a fun time for us to be starting the podcast. We hope that, things will be, uh, the season will end at least on a little bit of a positive note. I know I was asking Kyle what deems a success on this season. I think yeah. that we agree that finishing six and 10, seven and nine, even eight and eight, if you miss the playoffs is kind of the worst thing you can do for your organization. Um, yeah. And so I know Kyle said that 
the playoffs are very much what would deem a success. Um, obviously, when you if you get in there, that's that's a tough first round matchup, but um, you want to get there and you want to give yourself a chance. That's exactly right. This is a young team, a lot of young guys. Given the way they start to fight back, get into the playoffs, have that experience. I think we should be realistic that the Super Bowl is, man, unless something crazy happens, it's just not going to happen for our Vikings this year. But to get into the playoffs, have that experience, you know, further buy into what Zimmer is preaching uh, and kind of be able to build off that and say, hey, look, if we fight and work and scrape and claw, we, we can overcome and we, and we can be resilient and we can win. I mean, that, that's, that's the message he always preaches. And so if they were to get into, the, if they could sneak into the playoffs, and for, for me, that, that would be a success, especially given how we started. And mm-hmm. so that's really kind of what I'm hoping for. But uh, again, we'll see. The, these, these Vikings have a way of turning hope against their fans. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how things work out over these next, next few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, only three teams in NFL history have ever made the playoffs after starting one and five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Let's let's hope there's a fourth. I, I yeah. like. I'm looking ahead or looking back. Anyways, we can do this more at another time. But those were some close games at the start, right? Like yeah. a one and five yeah. team. Yeah. It's it's just. Anyways, this is this is I think the beauty of of loving football. It's just the way that games, certain games, play out. Um, yeah. And so I, anyways. I think that it'll be interesting to look back on the season, but but we hope that there are more than than three games to look forward to um, yep. for the rest of the season. So yeah, that's those are that's the end of our breakdown from yesterday's game. Uh, transitioning, we just have a few odds and ends to to touch on as we as we close off. Uh, one of the segments that we want to do here is uh, a hockey preview. I know I said football is my favorite sport to watch. Hockey is the sport I watch and follow most closely i think that that's that would be that would be my assessment and i know uh, we have this partnership with with joe as as kyle mentioned and they just launched a website miniice.com and what i want to do is just talk about maybe a a player or a game or a situation with the viking or with the not the vikings with the minnesota wild each week uh, I think that it's an exciting time to be a fan of the Minnesota Wild in, in some respects. I think that, um, I know Kyle's talked about this before uh, with me and I think in his writing too, just about selling hope to teams and and the, the, the Wild are not in a great spot to win now, but I think that there's some hope on the horizon and there's some really neat young prospects uh, that are that are coming in and some of them will be on display at the World Junior Championships that are hopefully happening in a couple of weeks. Uh, it seems like there's logistics that continue to get in the way of, of different aspects. And obviously we're living in a world with COVID, but uh, I'm excited to, to bring that each week. So, so st- stay tuned for that. Um, we've got Kyle here with uh, a segment we're calling Words of Wisdom. Yeah, so we're gonna, so I mean, we kind of have our odds and ends here. So Sam's gonna give us the hockey preview. And I want to, my final word here, just be the word of wisdom. And so some of us, so both Sam and I are believers. We're both Christians. And so I think quite often we're going to kind of reflect back on something biblical or something theological and bring it back somehow to uh, uh, sports. And so this initial word of wisdom, what I want to talk about is the Anglican via Medea. 
And so the Via Medea, it's Latin for the middle way, right? And this is a core staple within Anglican theology. Sam and I went to the same Anglican church for a little while. Neither of us are Anglicans, but we certainly have respect for the tradition. But the whole idea with the, uh, the Via Medea is for within Anglicanism, there's a real concerted effort to find the middle way, find a proper balance between theological ideas and traditions and concepts, find a balance, pursue that, right? And so I think there's wisdom in there for us as Vikings fans to pursue the Via Medea. You know, I want Sam in this podcast because he's going to bring balance to me and my own perspective because I'm so emotionally invested in the Vikings. It's good to have balance. And so as Vikings fans, this, this, is, this is my request that we collectively try and have a little bit of balance in our perspective and uh, how we cheer for this Vikings team. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Let's learn from the Anglicans. Let's pursue the Via Medea. Awesome. Well, Anyways, we want to thank people for listening. We hope that there's a few of you out there outside of our moms. Um, we, uh, we, we're, we're excited about this. We're excited about this journey and, and we're keen and, and really we're hoping that we can reach out to a certain population of fans. We know that there's lots out there, but we're hoping that this is a good spot for fans to come. We're hoping the day after game day, a chance to break down what happened, a chance to process it, I know it's uh, we're still still feeling the emotions of the game and and a chance to 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 hear us break it down. So, anyways, we just want to thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you stop by the VikingsGazette.com for great Minnesota Vikings news, commentary, and analysis. Uh, the Vikings Gazette can also be found on Twitter at Vikings Gazette, where I can be found on Twitter at Sam Allison ninety eight. Uh, I I don't have much of a following right now. Uh, I was joking with Kyle earlier that my, I think I have, I've got a couple tweets out there. One saying that I think that Clay Thompson is almost as good as Curry. That was kind of my hot take. And uh, that was the only tweet I've ever had that had any engagement on it. And so maybe if, if some people start following me, I might throw out a couple more hot takes. Um, but anyways, we want to thank you all for, for listening and we will be back next week.